Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. We're happy you could join us tonight. My name is Shad. I'm joined tonight by Matt and Brad. How are you guys doing? Doing good, Shad. Cool. I'm doing good. Excellent. We're glad to hear it. We're glad you all would uh, join us to listen. Uh, we have something fun in store for tonight. You might have guessed what it is from uh, from commentary from last week, but uh, I think it'll be a good show tonight. We do want to go ahead and... Um, we want to let you all know to our dozens and dozens of fans out there that uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, hit us up in whatever way is is most convenient, appropriate, preferred for you. Uh, we've got lots of ways for you to do that. Uh, isn't that right, Brad? Yep. Uh, on Facebook, it is Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four corners as one word podcast. Look for the uh, title belt with the green on it. Uh, Matt. If someone's to, I was going to say, if someone's wanting to, to get a hold of us on the president's favorite, you know what? That's not a good, that's probably not a good reference. If someone wants to get a hold of us on Kanye, that's not a good reference either. If someone wants to get a hold of us in 140 characters or less, what should we use? Uh, they should go on Twitter. We are at Podcast Four Corners. That's the capital P in podcast. The number four in corners at Podcast Four Corners. I promise you, we don't have it near these sort of inflammatory tweets as those other people. But yeah, yeah, um, we would love to converse with everyone. But we do have a God Emperor sword with little Twitter birds on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're yeah, uh, that's that's an inside reference. That yeah, I don't know if anyone knows that, but that's funny. We'll come back around to it. Uh, we are also on Instagram. Um, I try and post all of our shows on Instagram. Our account there is the number four corners podcast. They don't allow spaces, so it's all just mushed together. Go ahead and click on there. Sometimes I use shots from my old indie days as uh, you know, as placeholders because it looks different than just throwing up the logo of whatever we're talking about. Uh, also, we are affiliates with Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Support your local indie wrestler. It is wrestling. Uh, fans gear made by and for wrestlers and wrestling fans. Um, I have four shirts at this point. Uh, Matt and Brad each have one. They're great quality shirts. The guys that run it are good quality guys. Uh, if you use the promo code Four Corners Podcast, the number four capital <laughs> corners capital capital C and corners capital P and podcast, no spaces. That'll get you ten percent off your order. And, and, on this odd winter weather we're having, we can't let us deter that from our very, very special shout-out. Our super special shout-out. Isn't that right, Matt? That's right. That would be to Epico Cologne. Um, I hope it's uh, either nice and warm where he is or he's enjoying the cool weather because that could be like at any given point because uh, everything's schizophrenic when it comes to the weather these days. That sounds like it could have been today either at noon or at 6 p.m., doesn't it? Yeah, it was uh, It was like it snowed uh, like two days ago. Tomorrow I think it's going to be like uh, cold again, but then it's going to be like 60 degrees. And then immediately here... After that, it'll be like 20 degrees again. So there yeah. you go. All of my old old injuries, except my concussions, hurt whenever this happens. So that's always a fun experience. But being a human barometer is kind of unique, I think. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we have been working really hard to 
Um, ever since we did the episode where the guys grilled me about my time on the Indies, we've been working really hard to get um, someone that I had worked with on with us. And so, finally, after going through the, I guess, podcast simulator version of um, of being a, a booker and promoter, we have... Uh, the one and only Alex Angel joining us tonight. Uh, Alex, how are you doing? I am doing great, other than being horribly sick. Well, we're glad you could join us, and uh, we'll forgive you for the sick part. <laughs> just, we're just happy. We're just happy you're here with us. Uh, Alex and I worked together for a number of years, and actually a few different promotions. And um, I myself feel that uh, some of my best matches I had with Alex, so we were really thrilled to be able to get him on the program tonight. Um, Alex, why don't you give us just kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of a primer about yourself when we get started, and then we'll we'll start fielding some questions. Oh God, about me. All right, let's 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 go back here. Uh, well, I've what been- what did you start as a fan of? How did you become a wrestling fan? Uh, some of my earliest memories, like, uh, my brother and I would watch old, like, a uh, main event, and he was a huge Hogan fan, and, like, I was, I was, like, kind of the outcast. I loved Randy Savage, and I was a huge Savage mark all my life, and then, you know, uh, for a reason, lost track of it, and then I remember, uh, I was in grade school, and a friend of mine's like, hey, man, what, you know, let's watch Monday Night Raw. I'm like, What? And I remember the match that was on. This is during it was uh, Bret Hart versus Tatanka during the whole angle where like Tatanka was supposedly being bought by a uh, million dollar man and everything. And that then I watched that and I just got me hooked. And then started you know getting in watching WCW, became the biggest fan of Dean Malenko and that one Canadian guy that doesn't exist anymore because he's a mass murdering idiot, Lord Voldemort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He should not be named. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know. So his work is not the crap human being they turned out to be. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. And um, so, when did you when did you get into the business itself? Uh, as far as actually in the business, or just being a, a backyard idiot? I'm going to go with in the business proper. <laughs> uh, well, I, I I didn't really start pursuing it like at an early age. I think I was maybe 21. 2021. I was I was actually going to college when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, just made friends with like uh, different guys from like NWA Bluegrass and just traveled there. Um, initially, before that, there was a, a a guy, a local guy, who was a professional wrestler with heavy quotation marks, <laughs> and, and he uh, showed me and well, Richard, you remember uh, Ricky Taylor. Yeah, it's like the, the bare basics of like, oh, here's how you bump. Here's this. Oh, everything's on the left side. Just the bare bone stuff. And then yeah. I'm like, hey, what else? And he's like, well, that's, that's pretty much it. And I'm like, I feel there's probably more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had a sinking suspicion there was some more involved, right? It seems like more stuff might be involved in this other than just, hey, you know, give them your left hand. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. from there, we, uh, we, uh, ended up in NWA Bluegrass, got tra- uh, trained by some gentlemen there. Um, mm-hmm. And I, see, my problem is I've, I've been doing this for about thirteen years, but I've I've taken a lot of breaks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, from yeah. Life, oh, I got to get my life together. Or oh, hey, I just tore my shoulder off. You know, yeah. 
you know, kind of hiatuses and I get back into it, I feel the itch. And I'm like, hey, I got to go get dropped on my head some more. Sure, sure. Because yeah, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's really nothing like it, is there? I, I love it. It's Everyone's like, oh, you need to stop that. You're 36 or 90, whatever. And yeah. I'm like, why do you do it? I said, like, well, you know, the, the, the meaning of life. You know, you find something you love and then you let it kill you. So, <laughs> you know, I have a five-year plan on that, so. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, with with the background set up there, I'm gonna let uh, I'm gonna step back and let uh, Matt and Brad field some questions here. Um, who who'd like to go first? Hey, I'll ask one. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Um, just because I guess see so you you're talking about how you got just got into it. I, this is something that it just kind of crossed my mind because a lot of guys seem to go this route um it's it's unusual for people to just be like completely unathletic and then go into this like you know quasi-athletic but very you have to be like you kind of have to be athletic to be doing the things you got to do in the ring did you have a background like growing up uh i know you were a fan of wrestling it seems like with you and your brother but did you have any background in other sports like football martial arts things like that that kind of prepared you in a sense before you actually stepped into the ring and started actually doing it uh, no, I graduated high school at high school at 135 pounds. I was the uh, dorky art kid. <laughs> <laughs> not I, I, I played. Um, I didn't play like for any teams, but I like basketball and stuff like that. I was not athletic. I was 135 pounds. I looked like a mop of eyeballs. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really start even working out until like I got to college because I was like, hey, I have the body of a freaking Japanese young boy. I, maybe I need to, you know. If I want females to look at me, maybe I should get in shape. Okay. All right. So um, I'm not athletic at all when I first got into it. I would, you know, I would lock up and blow up immediately. <laughs> <laughs> That's not exactly a uh, a rare occurrence for in some places. Like, Shab uh, <laughs> will get this. I had the cardio of Eugene Waldo. That's basically what. It was. Oh, poor Eugene. Eugene, oh, Eugene's great. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that. Yeah. Okay, Brad, what was your question? <laughs> I was going to ask. I remember I had seen some NWA bluegrass. What years did you work there? Oh God, well that here's another funny part about that. Um, right around that time when I was training and stuff, I was go- I was going to Moorhead um, uh, University. Uh, I really messed up my ankles because I am the flattest foot mofo on this planet. And I was like, well, this hurts all the time anytime I take a step. So, I, you know, in, at this time, I was very, very, very unathletic. So I took time off. I, you know, I, I trained a little bit, and then I was like, well, maybe this isn't for me. And then um, it's weird. I never wrestled in Kentucky, even though I was training in Kentucky. My first professional match was actually in New Lexington, Ohio. I cannot remember the company at the time, but, like, it just kind of cascaded from there. Um, I'm trying to remember what year this was. This is the bad thing. I, I don't keep up with years at all. I had to go back and look at my Kentucky license to find out what year I started because I didn't know. I didn't pay attention. I didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, well, that and getting hit in the head will do, do a oh, number yeah. on you, too. You know, the whole having a pastime where you repeatedly get hit in the head and fall on your neck. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, you 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 know why I was always so dodgy about stuff that would get around my neck, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, 
and then and as it turned out it happened anyway yeah, <laughs> <Avoid> that. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't the IWA, was it? I'm sorry. I said it wasn't the IWA when you wrestled in Ohio, was it? Oh no, no, no! This was um. Oh God. I'm trying. I'm. I'm. I live in Ohio, uh, Columbus, exactly. So yeah. I know a couple of promotions and like the general vicinity, and I know they yeah. run around there. I don't. I don't think they're, they're actually in existence anymore. But it was okay. around like 2001, 2000, 2001, two ish. Uh, the promoter was Paul Hurley, and the funny thing with that was he had some kind of connection with the Great Canadian Wrestling Expo, which is like this three day event in Canada. So I worked for him. Uh, I wrestled Ricky Taylor. He really loved our work. And at, the, at this point, me and you know. Ricky, Richard, whatever you want, let's call him Richard. <laughs> At this yeah. point, we wrestled so many times, we didn't even have to speak to each other. We just went out there and did our thing. And he liked our work. And he's like, hey, you want to go to Canada? I'm like, hell yeah. So we drove from Moorhead, Kentucky to Oshawa, Ontario, Canada <laughs> and wrestled for three days. And um, But it, it was, uh, I cannot remember the name of the company. But the uh, second time I worked for them, uh, they forgot the padding for the ring. Oh, we scoured the building and took rugs, anything we could find and put it in the ring (laughs) just so we can have somewhat safe places to bump. (laughs) Right. I had one one night where there was there was no padding in the ring. And thankfully, it was a street fight event. But (laughs) God, I shudder to think about that. I I guarantee I, I shortened my life by years doing that stupid stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, um, Alex, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit broader spectrum here. Um, who, I, I know what one of the answers will be, but who would you say uh, were the big influences that you drew from for how you work? Okay, well, that, it depends on which time of my life. Um, I, tried to, I tried to follow what was popular. Because it's like, hey, if I emulate what's popular, people will like me, which is not a good. <laughs> <laughs> Following the meta, right? Yeah. Um, see here, when I first initially started, I mean, of course, like the you know, Randy Savage, all time, all time favorite. Yeah, get in there, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so I would emulate him. Just like I loved the way he was. Even before he actually became madness, I love the unhinged way he would move and act and stuff. So, you know, I'd always try to keep a little bit of that. And then, you know, Shawn Michaels, which is the freak athleticism. And then years later, you know, because it was popular at the time, you know, Jeff Hardy with the risk taking. And then uh, just Dean Malenko and that one Canadian murderer guy that I can't, doesn't exist anymore. We He's just still- call him Voldemort. So, <laughs> or uh, I do. I don't know. So, like, I just would try, just pick pieces from them and try to kind of combine this style. And it would just change throughout the years because of, like, I'd be like, okay, I'm not, you know, I, I don't have the athleticism to do 450s. I could pull off a crooked Terry Funk-esque moonsault. That's that's a program favorite here, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this, we, we, uh, we've, through this program, we've all found our love for Terry Funk in all of his forms. Yeah. I feel we already, some of us already had a love for Terry Funk. Um, it's just, I guess a deeper appreciation. Cause it's, yeah. it's 
shocking the the sheer amount of crazy stuff he's done over the years. Oh, absolutely. Hey, Cornet, Cornet says, Terry, what are you doing? And I don't know, Cornet. I don't know. I'm not Cornet. gonna do it again. I'm just an old man, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you heard Cornette's story about when um they had Andre in Memphis and Lawler beat him by um DQ and Vince was pissed because it was in the after mags and they're in this <laughs> big meeting and he's like holding this magazine and Funk's like, Oh hell Vince, who is who was that guy anyway? Because the the after mag headline was the night a midget beat Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man. Okay, sorry, sorry about the interruption. Please continue. Oh, I can't even what I was talking about now. Um, well, uh, I, I, would, I would just I would. It was a lot of trial and error. What would work? Because uh, I mean, you can't mix every style together and expect anything to work really good. So uh, throughout the years, uh, I, I really stuck with a lot of stuff from Shawn Michaels and uh, that Voldemort guy. Mm-hmm. And. Um, you know, a little bit, a little bit, uh, Dean Malingo sprinkled in here and there, and very little high flying. Even though I was, I was, I mean, uh, I think when we worked, I was maybe like 213 pounds or something like that. Okay. So I would keep the flying to a minimum. And then, like, I would try to, you know, I, I like the psychological stuff from Raven. I like the, just the, the psychological aspect of that. I love stuff he did. I would try to, you know, sprinkle a little bit of that in there. But the biggest, uh, Influences, I'd have to say, uh, Savage, Shawn Michaels, definitely. Um, I remember when when you and I started working together, I'd see a little bit more and a little bit more of CM Punk work its way into. That came, I I, I just like really using the GTS, and then it became like a running gag, which would follow me when I I went to Georgetown and wrestled there. I actually switched two trunks, and... It just became like a gag. It's like, how much stuff can I get away with doing before someone goes, hey, <laughs> stop. And it was amazing how much I can get away with before someone actually called me out. <laughs> well, twist. I was like, I can't do that. It'd be obvious. They're like, do it. I'm like, all right. <laughs> now I go there and do it, and people like cheer and stuff. I'm like, you don't watch any independent wrestling, do you guys? Yeah. They might have got the hint when you put on a chipmunk costume. <laughs> Like, it was even got to the point, like, uh, I borrowed uh, a, a friend of mine who had the actual, like, the Chicago Star kick pads. I'm like, you'll have to catch on to this. And I would wear them. And then nothing. No one even picked it up. I'm like, I'm doing his entire moveset. You should, Someone- have, you should have screwed with people and taken, like, a permanent marker and done, like, the Pepsi logo on your arm one night. Watch me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take this entire. What was that? Hey, hey, Brad, you cracked up for a second. Oh, What'd I said, say? I said he should have screwed with everyone and um, put like taken a marker and done the Pepsi logo on his arm one night. <laughs> there was one time I almost bought tattoo sleeves, like those spandex tattoo sleeves. And I was like, I don't know, this is even too stupid for me. <laughs> so I, ha- I personally have to draw a line. They're like, yeah, walk out and drop on down to your knee and do the list clobbering time. Look, bitch, you want to do it? I was like, I will destroy this show. Don't dare me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. What, um, let me, let me, I'm, I'm going to springboard off of that for a second. Um, over the course of your career, uh, what, what have been 
moves you've just really enjoyed using and and finishes you've just enjoyed using? Oh, well, when I first started, um, it was simple. Always got a good reaction. Just good old classic overused super kick. Yeah. Um, I stay away from that now. Um, I started using the GTS again because I'm like, hey, he's not on TV and he's lost two times in UFC. F him. I can use it now. <laughs> We'll have to uh, we'll have to send that's you a link because we talked about that if in you get detail. Me UFC, I get to steal your shit. That's the rule <laughs> that I wrote okay. down. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I was always like a fan of like of course because of you know huge uh, Malenko fan. I love the Texas Cloverleaf, but it seems like everywhere you go, there's that one. We lost you for a second there, man. Could you back up for us? There's that one what? I'm going to move. I'm like, okay. Um, uh, uh, jerk. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, someone's already using the cloverleaf there? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's always that one guy that's like, I'll use the cloverleaf. You're like, all right. When's the last time you use it as a finish? Ooh, but a year ago. I'm like, cool. All right. Yeah. That makes sense, though, because... It's like, I don't want to be a hack and use the Boston Crab. I'm going to do the variation and go for the Cloverleaf. Yeah. Like, I'll just bend them directly on their neck. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. should, if they use the Cloverleaf, you should just go for the Chikara special. Yeah. <laughs> Octopus hole. I don't know how to do that. God damn it. <laughs> that was something I'd run into sometimes. People just, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I want to use this. And they'd be like, I don't want to take it. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, that's, all right. I should I should be entering that stage of my life where I I, I should be saying no to certain bumps. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's I don't know. There's really nothing that I've seen that like I probably couldn't be talked into the day of the show. Mm. Like, like a week leading up to, it, I'm like, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to do it. And then like five minutes before I walk out, I just look at the person like, drop me on my head. I'm like, okay. I think I might have done that to you once. Not drop you on your head, but talk you into one. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I think it that that time I talked you into doing the iconoclasm. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'd said that at one point. You're like, I don't think so. And then that night you looked at me and said, let's do it. Yeah. And I was like, okay. you got to be more specific because I don't remember what I said. And you're like, let's do the iconoclasm. I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Just sure. Just to yeah. go along with uh, you've never seen something you wouldn't do. Have you ever seen the um, low-key Necro Butcher match from IWA Mid-South? Uh, well, I mean, if that's like anything you'd kick directly in the face, I, I don't want to do that. I mean, if you can work it, I'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's not working. That's just kicking a dude right in the face. Like, oh, like for example, the time he legit knocked Prince Nana out. <laughs> yeah. And then picked him up. I was like, oh, I'll just give us an unconscious amount of brain buster. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, Matt? Can inter- uh, yeah, yeah, can I please go. I think anything, it's like, did you see the Necro Butcher match as an example of a move you probably shouldn't be taking? I, I, I think it's a. Match, but I can go ahead and assume if it's Loki and Necro Butcher, it's probably going to not be fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and Necro Butcher's probably taking a move that he shouldn't uh to concrete <laughs> you, <laughs> probably you know what i find hilarious about necro butcher is he's like a legit genius that was going to college at like 14 years old and yeah and that's what he did in his life 
Yeah, I had a I had a non a serious question that was kind of a follow up to one of uh, Alex's uh, his his influences. Uh, since you were a since you were a Macho Man fan, does that mean that uh, you chose uh, you think that Macho was right when the Mega Powers exploded? Who was right in that that situation? Was it Macho or was it Hogan? There was less than those eyes. I, I mean. I have to take- <laughs> you know what, Alex? You were absolutely right. Macho was right. You know why? You know why, Shad? Why is that? Because Hulk Hogan, you have jealous eyes. You've got jealous eyes. You're out of line, Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> you make me laugh. I can't do the voice. Oh, oh man. You know what? You can't beat me. <laughs> I watch that every so now and again. Dude, and it's yeah. amazing. Oh, man. Okay. Um, watch that. Hold on. I'm sorry. Now I'm like on a tangent. But if you watch that, watch that again. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, point towards the end, like uh, Elizabeth's draped over Hogan because she doesn't want Macho to, to assault him anymore. And he literally takes her and he throws her. He yeah. like throws her off of her. It's like, how did they get away with this even like 30 years ago? If you get the, um, if you get the, the Macho Man, um, unreleased dvd set there's a lot of his early stuff and there's a lot of um domestic abuse type uh, undertones to their early stuff I mean, it's like you just overlook it like that everybody does mr fantastic oh. <laughs> it's good reference thank you um well no. reed, reed richards is a prick anyway so oh, yeah hank pym too Evan both well yeah yeah generally um, Matt, did you have another question you wanted to put out there? Uh, I probably do. Uh, I'll defer though. I'll maybe okay. Wanna, yeah. Brad, what about you? Uh, I was going to ask, um, the way you were describing the style you kind of went for, do you like the 1990s New Japan juniors a lot? I did, but, uh, at, at the time, I'm not even remotely athletic enough. <laughs> oh, cause they had a bunch of... <laughs> Okay, it'd be stuff I would attempt. I would want. Well, I'm, it's probably a little pre 1990s. It's like you know Pegasus Kid and you know Eddie and stuff. That's more of when I would watch it, or when I actually got access to watch some of it. Um, I, I liked the strikes, but it, it just seems like it, it, it hasn't become real popular. To it just seems like now wrestling just now is you know learning to. Makes a lot more mixed martial arts and stuff like that, like strikes and actual, you know, chokes and like a knockout finish and stuff like that. I think that's something that, you know, should have been, it should have been adapted a lot sooner. Mm, preaching to the choir, man. They, they had that with like UWFI and, um, oh crap, Pancrase. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, that never really kind of broke out from those companies. It, it, it's just, there's like a weird way you have to, you know, it's, 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 I understand why it hasn't like caught on because you can't have like one of your guys go out there and then work, get knocked out or I'm sorry, you know, take getting knocked out and then not look like a bitch. <laughs> That's the fine line you have to, you have to walk. Cause you can't. Well, so much of it's perception that exactly. Um, it, it does, it does get a little complicated, but 
It, yeah, it's like places I would go. Guys wouldn't want you if if you're going over. They didn't want you to use a submission. Exactly. Like, no, man, I don't want you to do that. And it's like, dude, do you you have you ever watched UFC? People get caught and tapped out all the time. Yeah, you don't. Nobody wants the ego blow. Like, oh, I'd rather get like you know a flash pinned, you know, flash knockout pinned instead. Of, I don't tap out my character. But the moment I hear my character won't, I will start thinking about a bear playing a ukulele. I will zone out of that conversation. <laughs> You know, it worked really well, though, in Ring of Honor when they did Samoa Joe versus Loki. Oh, absolutely. What is two guys that would legit probably be able to knock anybody out? Yeah, but I mean, Joe got KO'd. It didn't affect him one bit. No, not at all. It's just how you do it, I guess. Like, Well, Loki was built as a guy that would just kick your head into the 19th row. So it just makes sense. Like, oh, yeah, he kicked him in the face. He's unconscious. So it, it would make sense. It just, I don't know, it's just... See, Shad, I, I, Shad and I, Shad and I oh. actually had this conversation after the Brock Lesnar-Finn Balor thing where I said, I actually don't think it hurt Finn Balor that much because he not. just made a mistake and Brock caught him. Exactly. It did not. Uh, that was the perfect booking of that match. People were like, Finn should have won. I'm like, no, he shouldn't have. <laughs> He's a 180-pound Irishman going against a brick wall. <laughs> but the I love the finish because it's like he stomped his guts in. He kicked out, but he's still acting hurt. And then, surprise, Kimura. And he, you know, Finn fought, he fought, he kept reaching for the ropes, he, you know, tried to dig down deep, but realism, if you get caught in a legit Kimura, you're going to tap out. Yeah, that's true. It just, to me, it it felt a little out of place the way it happened, but uh, that's me, I guess. <laughs> I kind of liked it because it was a desperation move. Uh, Finn was already right there. He hit the coup, the coup de gras. Is that what he calls it now? The coup de gras, yeah. He hit that, and he was acting shocked because you know Brock kicked out. So as that momentary moment, he was looking around like, oh, what the heck? He kicked out. He had that arm, that left arm, perfectly out there, and he just grabbed him. You know, sunk, you know, hooked his legs, and boom, there you go. It was perfectly booked. I think. Let me go on my own little tangent here. I'm gonna have to. I'm, I'm marking out for Brock Lesnar. Okay. He gets a lot of crap. About like, oh, same old crap. He gets 19 German suplexes. I'm sorry. That man sells his balls off for people. Like, he goes above and beyond in matches. Prime example, he did it with uh, AJ Styles, with uh, Daniel Bryan. He did it with him and with Finn. He sells beautifully for everyone. We had that that conversation a few weeks back, and it seemed to us that – Brock works great with people like AJ and like oh, with God. Brian and with Finn and stuff. Who does he have dog awful matches with? Roman and Braun. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, here, here's the thing. Like, uh, you, uh, I believe it was SummerSlam last year. It was uh, Joe, uh, Roman, mm-hmm. Brock, and uh, uh, um, Strowman. That yeah. was a banger. Of oh, match. yeah. That. It, and nobody was small. Well, I mean, Joe was like, it's weird when you have to say Joe's the smallest guy in the match. <laughs> but, it, it tells you a lot about the match. Yeah, it was great. Everyone got, you know, almost everyone got their stuff in. Yeah. Everyone shined. It's just, I think, certain, eh, I, he's had good matches with Roman. It's just, I think, and I'm going to go against the grain here again, Roman can work. He is, he is a good, he is a perfectly exceptional professional wrestler. It's the booking that's the yeah. problem. And yeah, you know, smart marks will, he's being shoved down our throats, but it, it can grate on your nerves. I get it. 
But there's never been a time where I screamed at my TV saying, hey, you can't work. I'm always like, oh, that, well, that was kind of cool. That looked good, too. It's just, you know. I don't think we've ever said that he couldn't work or we didn't like him or it, we, the, the booking was just awful. I think, I think yeah. the worst thing we said about him before he got um, – before he, he uh, left was I think I had said I thought he had regressed a bit his last year as far as like his working abilities because it seemed like they had fall, he'd fallen into this finisher spam problem. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, most of his matches was against Brock, so that was that's all they did was just, oh, Superman punch. German, Superman, yeah. German, Spear, oh, yeah. So you know that's he found that, but like you know when he worked, uh, oh god, I can't remember the pay per view, but it was the Triple Threat, uh, Seth, Dean, and him. Oh my god, amazing work with AJ again, great work. Uh, an older match, the Shield versus the White Family, amazing. Just any all of them. Every time they wrestled, they worked yeah. beautiful. Well, uh, Joe and uh, Joe and Brock too worked great, and like we've said, it's just so uh, so much of the stuff has been the booking. Except you know, Brock. I think Brock gets bored working the same people all the time. I'm, I'm legit surprised they had uh, Finn and him work. I think uh, Finn was at his request because I think um, part of his re-signing was he got to pick several of his opponents. Well, that's that's a good nod. I mean, you. Mm-hmm. Basically, the top guy, I want to work with you. But he does work way better with smaller guys, you know. And that's and that's because he can show off his power and everything. Now, when he's working Braun Strowman, it's hard to ragdoll him. <laughs> so it, I can understand the the want to work, work someone's. He still, you know, throws around Strowman, but he, like, launches like someone like Finn Balor across suplex so i get that i get that completely but it's, it's kind of a big nod from you know brock to handpick finn like that yeah it sold for him so like when he got pushed into the table you know he sold it like he had a ruptured hernia it was yeah great. i thought we we had all thought that was a really really clever way to structure that match to, to build it that way but, I, okay there was also a good layer to that that i didn't think of when we talked about it but it was a good callback to his diverticulitis too Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Okay, so I, I do have I have a couple questions for you. Sure. So you talked about working in Canada. Like, how many states do you think you worked in? Uh, okay. Uh, uh, probably seven. I want to say. Okay. Seven. Seven ish. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of stick to the same area. I like you know I like local. I really feel like. The local scene, and by local, I mean Kentucky. Uh, Primetime wrestling, they are they are making strides and making Kentucky wrestling credible again. They are wow. it's a great locker room. It's just I, I've, I've traveled a lot in Kentucky and, and worked the majority of the places, and it's just not it's you know the 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 cliche guy in jean shorts and t shirt. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of that. Um, probably great guys. I'm not crapping, shitting on anyone. Um, it's just you don't get that professional vibe from a lot of them. PTW okay. is the goods in Kentucky. Them and NWF, they are the two best places in Kentucky. Hands down, no competition. They're the best. 
Okay. And I'm lucky enough to start working with him. Okay. So uh, who were some of the names that you were referring to in that, uh, that worked in, you worked with in PTW? Okay. The, uh, I, I refer to these three guys as like the diamonds of Kentucky wrestling. They are supremely good. It's a legendary Larry D who is doing a lot of stuff with uh, rockstar pro wrestling. He's uh, being looked at by impact. I believe he had uh, his tryout. Mm-hmm. I, he's keeping it kind of, this is, that's, I'll probably just ruin that because I'd I'd supposed to be (laughs) you. Sorry, Larry. Um, And uh, Austin Tyler Morris, ATM, is another guy. He is freaking good. He's like, could be, can improve any show, can work with anybody. It doesn't matter what size they are, their talent range. He will drag a great match out of anybody. Okay. Uh, and another guy who's blown up, you know, uh, he came back from, you know, he came from BCW like us. Um, I'm glad he got the hell out of there when he did. Well, <laughs> that's but, true. Uh, Brandon Taggart, he is a big, mean bastard. Uh, big dude, like 6'4", 340 pounds-ish. Sorry if mm-hmm. I got that too high, Brandon. Uh, but he, he's just a big dude that moves really good, and he's one of those heels that make you want to hit him with your car and he can work with anybody. He has a really good super indie style, but he's this big bad dude that he just, he looks legit. Like mm-hmm. him, like I want to, you know, if you do heels turn around and you be like, Oh, you're the size of a car. Okay. Sorry. You're right. Yeah. I, I remember when he was starting out and I, I thought he had promise, but I didn't realize how high his ceiling was going to be. Well, like when he first got brought in, it, First started him to, to that one company that I shouldn't have named. Um, they want to stick him with a mask and stuff. He's like, oh, look, he's – because he had he, – even though he's a big, you know, bruiser of an individual, he has kind of a bit of a baby face, you know? He's yeah. He's shaven, has, you know, dimples. You just – you don't see Monster Hill when you – when at that time. Right. And I was like, he doesn't need a mask. Let, just teach him to be a badass and, you know, you, you have yourself a Monster Hill. And they wanted to put him in a mask and give him all these stupid, you know – a stupid name with a stupid gimmick, and it, it just—I'm glad he got out of there because he would just would have killed him if he just went there. But um, I drug him to uh, Georgetown, Kentucky, with me, and we—you uh, know—he got around better people. Yeah. And uh, started working, and then uh, he—you know—we all met up with Larry at that point, and he just kind of got under Larry's wing, and he's traveled and has learned, and he is freaking good. He's yeah. like. He needs to get out. Well, no, I don't say get out. That sounds like harsh, but um, he needs to branch. He needs to travel. Like try, you know, like I think he could easily, easily, easily make it in like places like PWG and stuff like that. He would. Oh pro- wow, he's so good. Him and I, I saw seen a promo he did that was just the other day that was excellent. Um, another guy. That's in that. Com- I worked with Larry once yeah. in Moorhead, and he has the best spear I've ever taken. <laughs> well, he's 400 pounds, he will cut you in half. <laughs> well, no, I'm talking about Larry. Oh, yeah, I was talking about Larry. He does, he's a big dude, he's a refrigerator with eyeballs, he's giant. But um, it, he has the best spear I've ever taken because he it looked great, but he also didn't try and cut me in half. Yeah, and then. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Like I've never been chopped harder in my life than by Larry. Really? Yeah, we worked uh, 
oh god, uh, Wildcat Championship Wrestling in Georgetown, or uh, Lawrenceburg. I'm sorry, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. And uh, we had like a little a series of matches and stuff in the end in a cage match. This man chopped me so hard that I'm pretty sure a portion of my soul left my body. <laughs> like, and I was like, well, this is this is how I die. This, you yeah. know. <laughs> And it's like, there's nothing you can really do if he decided to kill you. You know, he's just a giant man. But uh, I love working with him. I, I know that was going to be, because watching him work with other people, I'm like, okay, that part's going to suck, but everything else is going to be easy. Oh, yeah. So yeah. freaking good. He, he my, my it was the, the first time I'd appeared in that company. And he, even though he went over, he made me look good. Oh, yeah. And like, I appreciated it so much. He is consummate professional. He is a, uh, you know, you know, he's worked people that had no frigging business in a ring with them, and he would drag them kicking and screaming against their best efforts to a great match. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like he works magic with people out there. Yeah, yeah. And another good one. Uh, you're going to bring him up. Uh, Ronnie Roberts is also freaking great. Yeah, he's he's versatile, and he like his gimmick now. Um, Reverend Ronnie Roberts is so good. Yeah, so, so good. Um, the he probably pisses a lot of people off really badly with it too. The I got that when I started doing my my hill preacher gimmick. Um, but and we've talked about that before, so I won't go into it. But I had gotten to work Ronnie, and it was so easy yeah. that it was. It was almost a night off. Uh, we did a sequence. I did a I did a hip toss, I did a scoop slam, I did a Russian leg sweep. It felt like I wasn't actually doing it to anybody. It were it went so well, and he and um, oh oh forgive me, but now I'm I'm going to forget. He was the manager for just about every heel in this part of the state. Jim Chadwick. Jim Chadwick. He was managing Ronnie that night, and they both made me look like an utter beast. Dude, because, yeah. I'm, I mean, I outsize Ronnie quite a bit, but between Ronnie selling for me and then Jim tried to sneak up on me, and I didn't mean to, like, spoil it, yeah. but I was kind of half-turned, so I figured he meant for me to do this. I turned and looked at him and pointed at him, and he just full-on, like, Back, backed but- off, like, just <laughs> terrified. Um, yeah, the... There's a lot of good people there. So, sorry about that. Don't and mean it, to. I, I need to mention him, too. Lord Crew. He's another guy that uh, wrestles uh, with PTW, NWF, and Rockstar. Um, dude's going to be freaking huge. He, mm-hmm. I, I, those guys, like uh, Crew, Larry, BC, ATM, they can easily make it to any company. They are oh, really, wow. really good. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna step back for a second. Matt. Do you 